0: My name is Liz. Um, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. My day job is uh, running the chaplaincy services in Santa Clara County jails. And so I bring you greetings from the men, women, and children incarcerated in Santa Clara, about 3,000 of them, to you this morning. You know, in my work in the jail, I meet a lot of people who are at a decision point in their lives, a crisis point And often they literally are life and death decisions. Decisions about whether to choose that narrow path of healing and recovery in life or continue down the seemingly easier path of addiction, violence, and despair. And sometimes, and it may sound paradoxical, even though jail is a horrific and difficult place to be, It can actually also be a time of realization, a time of awakening, a time of epiphany for many who are there. I want to share the words of one young young man who wrote about his awakening in a writing class that our chaplains run in the jail. And here is what he says. I let go. I hold on. I let go of my old way of thinking about life, but I hold on to all the great things I've obtained. I let go of thinking I wish I had done that differently, and I hold on to the support and love from my family and friends. I let go of self-deprecation. I hold on to the phrase, I can do anything I put my mind to. I let go of resentment, but I hold on to forgiving the people I resented. I let go of selling drugs, but I hold on to my hustle mentality. I hold on to your hand, God, as I let go of the past. Like my friend in jail, I wonder what we do when we are faced with moments of choice, of crisis, inflection times in our lives where we can choose to go one way or another in small ways or big ways. This morning, I want to spend just a few minutes focusing on the gospel reading. Two groups of people who had a choice about how to respond to this, the birth of Jesus. And they chose very different ways. King Herod and the visiting Magi. Let's look at Herod first. Herod the Great, king in Jerusalem. Herod, who was written up by a writer from that time as, quote, a murderous old man a man who murdered no less than three of his sons in the years before Jesus was born because he feared their desire for his throne. Herod, the Jewish king put there by Roman overlords, was walking a thin line of power and control in a very volatile situation. If ever there was a king, You would not want to tell about a possible new rival. It would be Herod. But this is a situation the Magi unknowingly walked into. The gospel tells us Herod was frightened and the word frightened there means agitated, shaken up and in turmoil. There he was sitting in his palace one day ruling away strategizing how to keep the Romans happy and the Jews under control, not to mention his volatile, crazy family. And he felt maybe he just about had all his plates spinning okay. Nothing was falling as far as he could tell. Then along come these strange foreigners with rumors of a new king being born. I actually almost feel for Herod in this moment. His stomach in knots. His head starts spinning with possible implications and threats. His hands get sweaty. His blood pressure goes up. He feels threatened. So immediately he calls his advisors, his resources. What's all this about a Messiah? Who is this king? Where is he exactly? And when was he born? And from his advisors, he discovers, well... The Jewish scripture does indeed predict the coming of a ruler from Bethlehem. And his, Herod's sense of fear and urgency increases. The gospel tells us he secretly calls the magi in to find the exact timing of when the star appeared. Can you sense that tightening of control in his situation? He's acting in secret. He's looking for details. And he tells the magi, okay, as soon as you find this baby, report back to me because I'd love to be part of that little worship celebration. Just make sure you get all the information to me ASAP. I think the gospel gives us that that sense of control and urgency and tightening that's happening in Herod. Lies start to come out his mouth. Herod had absolutely no intention of finding this baby to worship him. Quite the opposite, he wanted to kill him. Now, if anything like me, if you're anything like me, you'll be tempted to think of Herod as the bad guy in this story, which is not inaccurate. The symptoms of bad guy we see here, right? Fear, feeling threatened when being faced with a challenge. Controlling and tightening, acting in secret behind people's backs, plotting overthrows to avoid losing power, even murder, and of course lying about our motives and actions. But you know, sadly, I, maybe some of you, can be Herod-like when our lives or positions feel threatened. Usually Herod-like behavior starts with the more subtle forms of fear-based activity. Here's where I see it in myself and the people around me. Parents afraid of their children not doing well. We go to incredible lengths to control and monitor and help them be successful. And I have discovered that though I thought this would ease up when they became adults, it has not. (laughs) Relationships, trying to please another person at the expense of our own health and values because we don't want to lose that relationship. Work, overworking or stressing or maneuvering because we want to hang on to a position or maybe even get a promotion in very challenging times. I wonder if there are areas of our lives, my life, as an individual or as a society, a country, where in order to hold on to control and power, we find ourselves moving towards actions and ways that are not in line with our values. Yesterday, I thought back on January the 6th, those few years ago, when so many people in our country found themselves acting in ways that probably a decade ago they never would have thought they could. How do we do that? How do I do that? Are we fearful of the future in some way that means we start to over control the present. Where are the ways that fear controls our minds and following our actions? So what's the alternative? What can we learn from the Magi? They were travelers, scholars, maybe priests of another religion. People who searched the stars and looked for meaning. Searching for truth and meaning, searching for someone, even though they were not sure at that point who they were looking for. We know they'd seen this unusual star in the night sky. We know they'd been studying ancient prophecies and scriptures. They sensed that enough was happening, enough was different. There was enough going on that they wanted to find out. If anything, what was going on with these rumors of a new king? They were motivated not by fear, but by curiosity and a desire to draw near to the source of the divine movement in the world. They were willing to risk, willing to lose position and power and step outside of their comfortable existence in order to try and discover God. Maybe you're curious about who God is and how you might draw closer to God. Maybe you're on a continuing journey with Jesus, searching out as someone who loves Jesus more of the truth, more of the love, hungry for more. Maybe you're on a path where you're asking God about some situation or a choice that you're facing in your life. And probably like the Magi, you have some light, some flickering star, some sense of direction, but you really don't know all the answers yet. And that's totally okay. If we want to follow the example of the Magi, We will continue to look for Jesus in a world that seems very frightening at times. If we want to follow the example of the Magi and not Herod, we will continue to follow signs of light and hope rather than becoming fearful and controlling. Even if that journey takes a long time and is difficult and even if it doesn't always seem like it's leading anywhere. If we want to follow the Magi, we will say no to the fear-based, control-oriented ways of Herod in the small things in our lives and in the big movements in our community and our country. Ways that ultimately will lead to death as it did with Herod, when he massacred thousands of children to try and hold on to control. And like the Magi, when we do find Jesus, we will respond with worship. We'll offer God back what gifts we have. Like the gold, we'll offer riches and resources that are within our uh, control. Like the frankincense, will offer worship, recognition, allegiance, and like the myrrh, will recognize that there is nothing other than the death and resurrection of Christ that will ultimately give us the freedom that we're all looking for. I invite you this morning, in a few moments as we celebrate the Eucharist, to consider. What, like my friend in jail, you want or need to let go of this year, of ways you want to say no to fear and control. And as you take the bread in your hand, let that be a way of saying yes to the life and the love and the freedom that we get as we encounter Jesus. Amen.